0: What is going on fellow bounty hunting streamers welcome in to another episode of streamer season the exclusive TV and movie platform TV and movie streaming platform podcast on the underground sports Philadelphia podcast network it's KB and Dylan coming at you live not from Tatooine uh, because we would simply pass away uh, we're getting ready to break down episode two of the book of Boba Fett which If this episode is any inclination of how this series is gonna go for the next five weeks, sign us up because this episode was phenomenal—a much longer episode than typical Star Wars or Marvel shows that we've gotten on Disney Plus. Which give us more of that, please. Fifty-three minutes long, right? Fifty-two. Yeah, it was in the fifties, like close to an hour. Like, give us more of that. Let's let's eat. Let us eat. Um, We're gonna get into that and a couple. Bits and pieces around the streaming platform universe. But before we get started, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. The homies over at Tomahawk Shades. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com. Use our code USP at checkout. You get 25% off your entire order. That includes sunglasses, blue light glasses, which you should be using anytime you're watching the Book of Boba Fett or your favorite shows and movies on your favorite streaming platforms to protect your eyeballs. You only get one pair, so protect them with some Tomahawk Shades blue light plus glasses, hoodies, T shirts, watches, all that good stuff. Tomahawkshades.com, promo code USP at checkout. You get 25% off your order. Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, get the Surfside Iced Teas, the vodka Iced Teas, non carbonated guys. All those other vodka Iced Teas out there, they're carbonated. Iced Tea is not supposed to be carbonated. Statesidevodka.com, get those vodka Iced Teas. It's Surfside Iced Tea at StatesideVodka.com. You got to be 21 or older to purchase. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And the boys over at Kenwood Beer, go to KenwoodBeer.com. Use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in your favorite galaxy. Obviously, the Philadelphia region. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Dylan, this episode is Chapter 2, titled The Tribes of Tatooine. And as soon as I saw the episode title, I was like, okay, we're in for some really good stuff that's about to go down because we're going to get into just the, the meat and potatoes of what Tatooine is all about. That's what I took away from this, especially after everything we got in episode one and Boba Fett's kind of connection with the Tuskens. This episode brought it like obviously last week you and I both said episode one was more of a world building kind of tone setting episode. Yeah. This one was the one that I said it's gonna come through and punch you right in the mouth. This one punched us in the mouth in a number of ways that I got really excited about.
1: Yeah, it was a lot more action. There was there was still world building, but it was it was like backward it's like background building mm-hmm. in the best way possible. I mean, Tatooine's the most iconic planet in Star Wars. It's arguably I would say probably the most iconic planet in any like universe realm like scenario like MCU, Star Wars, etc like when people see a desert if they've seen Star Wars I guarantee you in their minds unconsciously they're like oh that's the place where Luke Skywalker lives and it seems like Star Wars has a fetish with sand so if there aren't on Tatooine you're on another sandy desert planet so the idea of Tatooine lives vicariously through you and like Kyle already said for us to get the meat and potatoes and see the tries of Tatooine, which spoiler, kind of already knew what, what it meant by try, but it was the Tusken Raiders. Um, and it was cool to see how they work because it was going a different direction. I watching episode one and two, I was like, are they going to try to sell them the slavery like they did Anakin and Anakin's mom? I always forget her name. Um, actually, I probably should know that. That's a bad... Anywho, <laughs> she's dead anyway, who cares? Um, <laughs> well, they're both dead. Um, oops. Uh, so Shmi.
0: Oh. Shmi Skywalker.
1: Um, so it's just cool to see a different aspect of the show. And I like the present tense flashback scenario that we keep getting.
0: Yeah. I'm a big fan of, of the way that they kind of t- are telling two stories at the same time, but almost it, they both intertwine because we all know how the, the flashbacks are all, kind of linking the book of Boba Fett to season two of the Mandalorian. When we saw Boba show back up for the first time. Um, And we're getting a lot of just fun intertwining world building. That's filling in so many gray areas that we've had since the, the in between like the prequels, the sequels Mm -hmm. and everything in between. So that's a lot of fun. Um, And this episode kicks off uh, with a high angle shot of the Rocky desert landscape outside of Jabba's palace which very much looks like the Grand Canyon. I I love that it looks like they just took a city and was like, let's plop it. It, It's like the the Patrick meme where it's like, why don't we take it from here and move it over there? Uh, And they just moved an entire city inside the Grand Canyon. Uh, The camera zooms in on an armed Fennec Shand leading the captured assassin into uh, this big old castle that we see. Uh, And this is one of the assassins that we saw in episode one coming to kill Boba and Fennec. Uh, The two walk through the giant blast gates into the throne room where Boba Fett holds court. Fett demands to know who sent him and what were his orders. The two Gamorrean guards and 8D8 stand in the background. When the assassin refuses to speak, Fett orders one of the Gamorreans to behead him. Very gruesome, very fun. Love this energy. Do
1: it, do it.
0: Do it, do it. Uh, before the Gamorrean can slit his throat, the prisoner curses, uh, him in Huttese, which I didn't even know was a real, like, language, but fair enough. Um, Fett chastises the prisoner for being ungrateful that they spared his life. 8D8 explains that the prisoner is from the Order of the Nightwind, an assassin for hire. 8D8 says that there is no way the prisoner will talk, adding that he fears no man. Fett and Shand express disagreement.
1: It was, it was foreshadowing because the droid said it like three times. Um, also, yes, spoiler. My brother walked in and gave me cookies. So Hey-oh. Not going to complain. Um, No, it, the, the droid said it like two three times. like He's not going to talk. He's not going to talk. He's not going to talk. Well, something was going to make you talk. And I, for a split second, forgot that this something was dead. And the nerd in me I felt like a little boy in Christmas. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. This thing's dead. And then it still worked. Uh, And you might be wondering, what what thing are you talking about? And I don't know. It's this giant, creepy monster that Jabba kind of had underneath his floorboards. You get to fight it in Force and Least. Good game. Good Star Wars game. Yeah,
0: that was dope. Um, Also, to kind of... I feel like the Order of the Nightwind is brand new. Anything I've looked up looks like it's just relatively for the Book yeah. of Boba Fett. And they were hired by the twins, who we will get into later this episode. Which was like, when I saw that scene, my jaw
1: dropped. Because I was like, there's twin. no yeah. way. They were hired by the twins, but the assassin told him he was hired by the mayor.
0: Right. And when you get to the scene with those twins, and you see who the twins are... My jaw was on the ground because I was like, okay, this show is going to be absolutely bonkos, batshit crazy, and I am here for it.
1: It's going to be Game of Thrones-esque where it's a power grab for the throne.
0: Yeah, it's like a Game of Thrones meets, like,
1: Western, a Western
0: meets, like, a Mafia movie, like, The Godfather almost, The Sopranos. It's
1: really, really good so far. Um, it's Goodfellas, uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones, and uh, what's that really famous Western, Deadwood? Yeah, all in one.
0: <laughs> it, it, it's good fetas. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Fennec Shand suggests that the prisoner will fear the rancor, which is what Dylan was talking about. Yeah, uh, his name for a second. And presses a button that activates the trapdoor to the rancor's den. As the gates below open, the assassin panics and tells Fett and Shand. That he was sent by the mayor of Moss Espa. He begs for his life. However, Shand reveals that the Rancor's den is empty and decries the assassin. The only creature in the Rancor's den is a small mouse. Shan suggests that Fet, uh to Fett that they visit the mayor. Dylan, I know you were you and I as Star Wars nerds when you heard Fennec Shan say, Oh, maybe you'll have to just battle the Rancor. We were like, Let's go.
1: And I was like, it's dead. Never mind. Boo! <laughs> luke very luke made sure it was dead
0: i was like damn they don't have more of these why didn't they reproduce uh so we get to visiting the mayor and boba fett and fennec Shan lead the captured assassin through the streets of mos accompanied by the two Gamorians. their presence is noticed by several trandoshans who eye them up And it seemed like, okay, this is just, you know, who lives here? It's just Trandoshans. Because the whole thing with camera cuts and angles and everything, it was just Trandoshans there on Mas Espa.
1: Yeah, I didn't know Trandoshans were, like, native to Tatooine, but it's kind of given us that vibe. I mean, I'm sure they aren't. I'm sure they have a planet. Maybe they just happen to live here now in this part of Star Wars.
0: Which is interesting because we'll get to this later on in the episode, but they did mention... During the flashback portion of this episode, that Tatooine used to be flooded with water. And if you look at Trandoshans, they look very, you know, aqua-esque and, you know, they're, they're lizards yes, pretty doctor, much.
1: Dr. Connors would love Trandoshans.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know if he would because he loves electricity uh, because he's teaming up with, with Electro and... <laughs> Um, so he might get zapped, uh, but the group walk inside the talent hall where Fett tells the city hall clerk that he is here to see the mayor. And I don't know about you, but when I first saw his face, I swore that was Pedro Pascal, and I was like, "There's no way they're making him cameo like this." But no, then you get that yeah. second look, and it's just like great value, Pedro Pascal.
1: Yeah, that's a good that's a good call. Um, Uh Also, the mayor is not what I expected either. I yeah. I, I, I expected the mayor be Trandoshan just because of how many we saw. Right. Or I expected him to be like an easter egg character. Like maybe it was Bossk or another bounty hunter that we know of. The, excuse me, Clone Wars that wanted to power grab because there was a vacancy in Tatooine. Um, but they go with a relative nobody. Like, I don't remember his name. I just know it's the mayor.
0: Yeah. Um, mayor kind of looks like Gary the Snail.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I what mean, kind of race the alien that is, but they, they look weird.
0: Yeah, he, like, talks out of his gills, which was kind of cool. And the mayor is played by Robert Rodriguez, again, making a cameo in this episode. The showrunner, director, you know him from, obviously, Mandalorian and this Actually, show.
1: one of those, that, that races in... You ever see the old school Clone Wars cartoon, like, mid-2003, 2005, mm-hmm. Um, the art style? Like, one of those guys is the Jedi that's escorting... Oh, Yeah! Um, and he breathes out of his thing, remember? It's like a sonic thing. So I don't know if that's like a trait that they can all do, but obviously not as crazy. Mm-hmm. But maybe they can all like exhale a lot out of their gills. I don't know.
0: Yeah, so he like talks out of his gills, which the way he talked was pretty neat. Um, and then the receptionist asks if he has an appointment. Fett responds that he found, um, you know, one of his, quote, stray pets and that he is here to return it to its master. The receptionist tells him to wait, but is overruled by the Twi'lek Majordomo, who apologizes for the lack of pomp, which is the guy we saw last week, who did not bring anything uh, to show respect for uh, Boba being the new uh, daimyo uh, and the crime lord. So the Majordomo claims that the mayor's indisposed for the rest of the week, but Fett forces his way into the mayor's throne room. Uh, the Ithorian mayor, Mok Shais, or Mok Shays is his name, uh, demands an explanation for Fett's unscheduled visit. The major domo reminds Shays that Fett is the new daimyo. Fett demands to know why the mayor sent the assassin to kill him. Shays explains that the assassin is a member of the Order of the Nightwind. When Fett asks the mayor if this is an admission, one of the mayor's guards shoots the assassin, which I was like, holy shit. Um... With the Majordomo translating, Shays says that the Order of the Nightwind are not allowed to operate outside Hut space and thanks Fett for returning for turning him in. He orders his guards to bring him his reward. Fett replies that he is not a bounty hunter, but Shays uh, says he's heard otherwise. Shays remarks that Fett sits on the throne of his former employer, prompting Boba Fett to respond that Bib Fortuna was not his employer, and Shays clarifies that he was referring to Jabba the Hutt. Uh, Boba Fett replies that he will take his payment as belated tribute. He adds that the mayor should remember that he serves uh, as long as the daimyo of Tatooine decides. Shades asks Fett to consider who really sent the Nightwind assassins and claims that he has no motive for killing Boba Fett. Shades tells Boba Fett that he serves at his pleasure. Fett warns him uh, that he is not a fool and those who have crossed him no longer breathe. As advice, Shades warns Fett that running a family is more complicated than bounty hunting, Shays tells him to go to Flip's sanctuary to get an idea of what he means. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. <laughs> you it's more already, already know.
1: I think that's we, how it we always went, goes. We like for 45
0: years, like, minutes, and we are at like Chelsea. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I'm Matt Cat Street. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today.
1: time. What's up? We're back. When they said that, that line, I immediately knew some kind of hut was going to be in the factory. Well, I had two theories. I thought the hut was going to be here, or I thought there was going to be some messed up, like, seeing a clone, because he's a clone. Right.
0: And, uh... Speaking of huts, Boba Fett and his entourage visit Garza's sanctuary, which is full of droids and patrons. Taking off his helmet, Fett meets with Garza, who offers him a table. Fett explains that Mayor Mox Shays sent him here on the pretext that there is something that he should know. When Garza gives a nervous look, Fett remarks that she is sweating like a gumpta on Mustafar. Uh, Garza explains that the twins have laid claim to their late cousin Jabba's bequest Fett replies that he heard the twins were preoccupied with Nal Hutta to bother with Tatooine, uh, and when I heard gumped on Mustafar, I just thought of Sandy Cheeks's, you know, sayings that she would always say: "It's, it's hotter it than a jackrabbit in the middle of August." Yep. Um, so the twins, the twins. The cantina grows silent as they hear drums beating in the background. Boba Fett, Fennec Shan, and the Gamorians walk outside to see a procession carrying two huts on a litter. Shout out to that litter for not caving in because. Shout
1: out to those guys carrying. Truth.
0: Them boys strong. They're going to be in the world's strongest man competition this year. Tatooine's world's strongest man. I'm
1: uh, dead for overexertion.
0: As the litter approaches Fett's entourage, the hut brother tells Fett that they have business to discuss. Fett replies that this is his territory, prompting the hut brother to reiterate. That this is Jabba's territory and now theirs. One of the drummers presents a tablet stating uh, the Hutts' claim to Tatooine. Uh, Fett rejects their claim stating that he is the daimyo of Mos Espa. The Hutts laugh with the brother asking if this is so. An armed black Wookiee known as Black Kersantan. Which we will get into a lot of because this coming into play in this show is just massive implications not only for the remainder of the book of boba fett but for the obi-wan series for andor for anything moving forward on a number of levels uh for live action star wars so black chrysanthemum shows up who is armed with a heavy blaster approaches fett and his entourage fett is not intimidated stating that these are not the death pits of dur uh and that he is not a sleeping trandoshan guard fett replies that moss Espa. Is his territory and tells them to go back to nal hutta the hut sister speaks in huttese uh, her brother replies that fet has upset his sister and that he is more patient than her who wants to kill him so before we keep going
1: yeah was was the deathbed of nar a jab at the fact that for anybody who doesn't know this if you play any of the video games or read any of the source material that's considered canon or not canon Wookiees unfortunately are like forever slaves in the star wars universe like they helped build the death star and so forth so i didn't know if the, i i interpreted that comment as like that kind of like that kind of dig at him like hey this isn't a slave pit
0: yeah so dur is a place that hosted death pits for gladiators to battle
1: okay so similar just a, yeah because gladiators were slaves in history so similar but yeah I, I gotcha.
0: yeah so, this whole thing, when I see the huts on that litter, I'm just like, "Holy shit! I was like jacked up that we're seeing more huts come through, which I think you and I talked about last year almost when they introduced this series at the end of the Mandalorian season two, and our expectations for the book of both that we wanted to see like that crime Lord syndicate stuff that you and I had seen in the Clone Wars, where you know you have that meeting of the minds of all the huts and everything, and obviously. We didn't want to see zero because what's up, Dylan? It's zero to hut. Um, and I know you were very afraid that Sister Hut in this one was zero for Same
1: color. Second. Same color. I was scared.
0: Um, but we get two huts to come through and then Black Chrysanthemum, who, for everybody at home, probably was like, what the hell happened to Chewbacca? Um, Black Chrysanthemum is, you know, a, a Wookiee, obviously. Um, and. You know, he's nicknamed Santi BK or Black K by Dr. Afra. Remember that name because we will also talk about Dr. Afra right here as well. He's a male Wookiee bounty hunter whose career spanned from during the rule of the Galactic Empire into the era of the New Republic. Um, the biggest thing you guys need to know is he worked for Jabba the Hutt, obviously, because um, why else would he be working with Huts? But yes. Black Kersantan in the comics was hired by Darth Vader. So shortly after the Battle of Yavin, Darth Vader traveled to Tatooine on a mission to negotiate on behalf of the Galactic Empire for supplies with Jabba the Hutt. Vader also used this opportunity to take on a personal mission, and he requested two bounty hunters from Jabba. Jabba then provided his two best bounty hunters to Darth Vader, Kersantan and Boba Fett. So these two know each other, they both worked for Jabba, so, when you see that kind of like camera panning between Boba Fett and Black Chrysanthemum when they show up and see each other for the first time in this show, they know who the hell each other is. They worked for Job of the Hutt, they worked for Darth Vader together on separate missions. Um, but these two have a history together and they know like who one another is, what they're about. And the fact that they're introducing Black Chrysanthemum, who is massive in the comics, uh, a tie to Darth Vader. I think, one, this is massive for the Obi-Wan series because we know Hayden Christensen's coming back as Darth Vader, so we're going to see more Darth Vader later on in live action. And the more things that they introduce from the comic books and and things that aren't technically canon, but then they make canon, I think is massive for live-action Star Wars.
1: I think it's massive, too. I just another people complained about seeing the same old shit and now we're not. We're seeing a uh, Wookiee Bounty Hunter, which is something I didn't have written down in the uh, things I expected to see, but I'm happy because it follows what Kyle and I were saying. We want a more crime, mafioso, syndicate, like, narcos, godfather, goodfellas type of show, and we're going to probably get that, or get close to that with adding more criminal-esque characters.
0: For sure. <clears throat> and, you know, I brought up Dr. Aphra as well who is from the Star Wars Legends uh, side of things with Star Wars, which, again, not exactly canon, but the more things they introduce this way, the more they make Star Wars Legends canon. They're
1: not canon, but you can argue now as, doc, as, as Afra canon because she was mentioned in a show that is canon.
0: Right. And to give you guys a little bit of a backstory on Dr. Afra, um, was a title used by physicians or blah, 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 Where is this here? So, um, they get in the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at get in the whole pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content, keeping you up to date on the world of golf, releasing weekly, a part of the underground sports, Philadelphia family of podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Me pull something up real quick. This is called live action, fellas. <laughs> uh, Thanks so,
1: canon, by the way, on Star Wars Wiki,
0: yeah, which I'm totally about, it, it, especially now that you know we have Chrysanthemum coming through. So, Dr. Afra is a fictional character in the Star Wars franchise. Um, she first appeared in Marvel Comics uh, 2015 Star Wars Darth Vader comic book series. And Dr. Afra uh, is a criminal archaeologist um, with an expert knowledge of droids and weapon technology with a particular interest in ancient weapons and Jedi artifacts. She travels in a unique starship called the Archangel, spelled A-R-K, space angel, um, which features a custom white and blue paint job StarWars.com describes Afra as, quote, a mostly morally bankrupt, in-over-her-head archaeologist with an Asian appearance. Slate calls her driven, selfish, decisive, and wildly unpredictable. Um, I mean, the fact that they're introducing a character like this in a show... Well, they haven't obviously int- introduced Dr. Afra yet, but, you know, adjacently yeah. introducing Dr. Aphra uh, in a show that's all about, like, criminal underworld and that kind of like backstory about her i think is so massive um and dr Af- dr afra relaunched Bookwise in 2020 and is set to uh it's set between the empire strikes back and the return of the jedi um so i think that's also you know massive in terms of just all of the the gray area that we've talked about with all of these shows that have been coming out on Disney+. Plus. She was also a playable character in the 2017 player-versus-player player real-time strategy mobile game, Star Wars Force Arena. Oh, cool. So, Black Kersantan coming through, I think, is huge. I think we could see him more, not just in Book of Boba Fett, but I think we could see him potentially more in The Mandalorian. Uh, I think we could see him in the Obi-Wan series. I think well, this I is a character it. that's I here to stay.
1: Bounty hunters, so right. Like, we have two shows. One is the about a bounty hunter's journey by himself, and this one is technically about more bounty... Well, I guess that they're both focusing on one bounty hunter, but you're more likely to run into a bunch more with Boba Fett being on Tatooine, notoriously housed for hosting and employing bounty hunters, given the Fett's legacy.
0: Yeah, 100%. So as Shannon and Kersantan load their weapons... Boba Fett explains that Jabba uh, is gone and that his former major domo Bib Fortuna usurped his territory. Since Fett killed him, all that belonged to Fortuna now belongs to him. Fett says that uh, they will have to kill him for it. The two Hutt siblings speak. The Hutt brother says that bloodshed is bad for business and that this matter can be dealt with later. He wants Fett to sleep lightly. Uh, As the drummers beat their drums uh, to the beat of their hearts shout out to Kesha um (laughs) The two Huts withdraw. Black Chrysantin growls at Fett before walking away. Fennec Shan tells Fett that they will have to get permission to kill them since they are Huts. Fett suggests that the matter is settled, but accepts that this is not over yet. So this whole scene, this whole dynamic, now that we have Huts back in the fold, I was this put this episode in a whole new echelon for me before you know this was like the pinnacle of the the present day of what's going on. With Boba Fett, and with Fenix Shan, to know that Hutt's are still in the fold, they're still trying to come after Boba Fett. Again, we get introduced to a new bounty hunter as well. This part was just electric content and electric, just like story building for me that I absolutely love. This entire
1: breakdown, I loved it too. Um, it's it's just cool to see like, the crime bounty hunter, like, vibes again in Star Wars, because we haven't seen that since episodes of The Mandalorian. And not every episode of Mandalorian was Bounty Hunter. It was struggling single father simulator. How I Met
0: Your Father, coming to Hulu this fall.
1: Let's be be real. A lot of The Mandalorian, I love it for it, It was just a dad and his annoying-ass kid.
0: Single dad vibes. Uh, So then we cut to flashback season so boba fett is resting inside his back to tank he experiences a flashback of his time with the tuscan raiders while a bantha plows through the desert he learns how to wield a gaffy stick uh from a tuscan the older tuscan teaches him how to hold the stick properly before parrying uh she knocks the staff out of fett's hand before telling him how uh to practice again
1: Oh, it's he- woman? that's cool i didn't realize that
0: yeah i didn't know either but that's pretty cool too um he asks the tuscan to show him other tuscans search the desert sands for gourds uh, and while the two are practicing a massive finds some prey in the desert Uh, the prey scurries into the desert with the tuscans massive hounds uh, to in in pursuit of you know the prey a tuscan kills the unidentified prey with a rifle the massive feast on the creature an animal's roar is heard in the background and the tuscans take up position as an armored hover train approaches you uh, think it's
1: an animal when you when you hear a noise yeah. and then see it. I thought it was like a SpongeBob Alaskan bullworm situation. And,
0: Big. <laughs> and it was pink.
1: And then it's, it's a fucking train. <laughs> so, yeah. That's that's my reaction literally when I watched it. I, I I'm not kidding. I literally said, "That's a fucking train."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Blaster bolts from the armored train take out a Bantha and several Tusken Raiders. The train then rides away into the desert. Several Tuscans are killed and wounded by the gunners, and Boba Fett watches the Tuscans attending to their wounded and dead. Uh, Later that night, the Tuscans cremate their fallen. Uh, Boba Fett himself carries the remains of a young Tuscan youth. His parents fling his remains over a fire. Yeah,
1: what was this? What was this? Like, Mr. Rodriguez and Mr. Mr. Favreau, are you guys trying to teach us the history lesson of why it was wrong when Americans rode trains and shot Buffalo? You literally recreated this in Star Wars. You shot the equivalent of uh, Buffalo, and you also murdered, like Kyle just said, you murdered sand people, and then uh, the Tusken Raiders, and then we watched them burn each other. Yeah. Like, in a, uh, spiritually, obviously. But... And
0: Fett is visibly troubled by the plight of the Tusken Raiders. Uh, he drinks from a black melon and watches several speeder bikes passing their encampment, Fett speaks to the tribal elders, vowing to stop the train with a rifle and stick. Pretty cool that he was using, like, a form of sign language, too. Yeah. Um, You know, us coming off the Hawkeye series and everything with, you know, Maya Lopez in that show and her being deaf. I think that's really cool that more sign language is being incorporated into shows. Uh, He promises to be back by morning. The chief is skeptical. Fett will succeed, but lets him leave on his quest. Fett travels to uh, Toshi Station, uh, which is frequented by several Nikto miners. Uh, among the patrons are Cammie Marstap and Laze Lone, Lone Osner, uh, who these two humans, which when I was watching this, I was like, okay, who are these people? Because to have <laughs> humans out here seems pretty like, you know, big and they they got to be involved in something. So going on a, a deep dive here, they, these two actors are friends of Luke Skywalker in the original star wars movie from a deleted scene they're friends of luke skywalker so for them to bring them back and now they're full-blown you know canon to the star wars universe is also very cool uh one of the Niktos snatches food from their table and drinks one of their drinks lay says this is not right prompting the Nikto to ask if he had something to say i'm sorry if he had said something lays once again says this is not right the Nikto's grab and restrain lays and cammy One of the Niktos beats him with a stun baton. However, they are interrupted by Boba Fett. And then this is where Boba Fett's eyes gouge out of his head, and he goes absolutely ham, armed with the gaffy stick and a rifle. The Nikto miners fetch melee weapons and attack Fett. Fett disarms one of his attackers. A second miner shoots at him, but Fett shoots him first. You know, kind of who shot first, Han or Greedo. Uh, Lays and Kami take the opportunity. (laughs) They take the opportunity to dip. They bounce out. Uh, Boba Fett fights the remaining Nikto miners, wounding and killing some of them with the gaffy stick. He hurls one more through a window before stopping to drink. Fett then exits uh, the cantina and, inspect- and inspects their speeder bikes, which if you noticed, Dylan, I don't know if you saw this. It was very small on the speeder bikes. There was that emblem that we saw in last week's episode that was being spray painted on one of the houses. Yeah. It was on the bike as well. So that's who Attention I guess.
1: Attention Kyle it was i guess the- that's
0: who that was um so then the following day fett leaves toshi station with several speeder bikes in tow looking like santa claus with a bunch of reindeer behind him uh he returns to the tuscan raiders camp and his arrival initially unnerves the tuscans who grab their rifles and go into defensive position like their Yu-Gi-Oh!. uh the chief realizes that it is fett and tells them to stand down the chief welcomes fett who tells them That the bikes are a gift for them as the the freaking tuscans are ready to just dismantle these things i was like what are you doing
1: they were going jawa on them
0: i was like what is going on i was like Tusk
1: raiders no you're better than the jawas you're
0: better than that uh they attempt to dismantle the bikes but fett tells them that he will teach them how to ride so that they can stop the train later fett teaches the tuscan raiders how to operate the accelerators and brakes likening the bikes to a bantha a young tuscan tries out the speeder bike but sense it in reverse, and I couldn't help but die laughing at that. Um, Fett then leads the Tuskins on their first ride. The Tuskins initially struggle, but learn how to operate the bikes. He also trains them how to leap from bikes and to use uh, and to signal using a mirror. Fett also teaches them how to accelerate their speeder bikes through the desert. The Tuskin get the Tuskins get better with handling the bikes and leaping from the vehicles. As Boba Fett also continues practicing with the gaffy stick and learns how to knock the weapon out of his opponent's hands. So kind of just like equal trade here. I'll teach you how to ride these machines that you guys aren't used to using. You teach me how to use this gaffy stick that I can put into my arsenal of weaponry.
1: I will I kind of want one. Um, it, it seems to be pretty intense from what we've seen so far, even the wooden ones fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, this episode, this I never thought Star Wars would make me like think the Tusker Raiders were cool, and here we are.
0: Yeah, when they're riding those bikes, I was like, "Oh, this is Tuskens of Anarchy."
1: Oh my god, they got they gotta <laughs> get their little leather jackets,
0: right? Uh, so a Tusken Sentry spots the approaching hover train. Uh, the Tuskins grab their weapons and jump on the speeder bikes. Others take up position in the desert as the Tuskins in the trenches exchange fire with the Pike Gunners who apparently are in Star Wars Rebels, which I have not seen yet. Um, but Dylan did confirm to me that he remembers seeing them there, and he I've is... seen some other sources where we've seen the Pike Gunners. Um, so Fett and other Tuskens riding speeder bikes pursue the train. A Tuscan signals to the other Tuskens lying in the hills, uh, and hidden Tusken snipers shoot several of the Gunners. Some of the Tuskens on bikes manage to board the train, but face resistance from the Gunners, and some of them are killed. Uh, Boba Fett rescues one and uses a grappling hook to latch onto the hover train. He also kills one of the pike gunners as they jump across carriages and fight several of the emerging sentries. Got very big Mandalorian season two episode seven vibes with Bill Burr. When they're going to that place with all the, the clone troopers and everything, and they're jumping on the trucks and everything. I got those vibes from this episode in this part of it. Um, so they jump across the carriages and as they approach, uh, the train engine, the pike guards take up position and fire on the advancing Tuscans, taking down some of them. A Tuscan rams her bike into one of the carriages, managing one of uh, damaging one of the connectors. However, she fails to split the train's carriages and the driver droid accelerates the engine, causing the hover train to accelerate rapidly. Yeah, that, that driver
1: droid he's such Flight a rat. Like to go fast. He was such a rat.
0: Um Still, she manages to board the train and proceeds to fight the pike gunners on board, killing and throwing out several. Uh, the woman Tuscan Raider takes out the lead pike gunner and his companions. Realizing that the Tuskens are winning, the driver droid fires up the engine, causing a blast to knock off one of Fett's Tuscan allies. Fett fights with one more pike guard uh, near the train engine, and in the process, one of the pikes is blasted by the engines and thrown onto the ground, crushed to death by the carriages. Boba Fett forces his way into the train engine where he orders the driver droid to stop the vehicle. The spidery droid instead jumps out into the desert uh, and then crawls away real creepily. You and I both agree that was super creepy. The way he's just like, creepy. ran was off.
1: General Grievous-esque energy crawling away <laughs> into the desert.
0: Yes. Um, so then, uh, you know, Fett struggles to stop the train but finds the brakes and he uses his gaffy stick. To disable the ship's engines, causing it to break in the desert. The Tuscans shout in victory before proceeding to loot the train of weapons and merchandise, and several Tuscan guards uh Tuscans guard the surviving captive pike gunners and guards. Fett demands to know who is the leader. The leading pike stands up and removes his mask, and it's like <laughs> nothing really changed except the mask was like chrome. Um he asks Fett if he's going to kill them. Fett replies that it depends on how he answers his question. When Fett asks if he's carrying spice, which for everybody out there, that's like drugs in the Star Wars world, uh, the Pike leader asks what he means by spice. Fett uh, asks if he's carrying Sansana spice from the slave mines of Kessel. Shout out the Kessel run. Uh, the Pike leader asks, what does spice look like? Just then, two Tuskens discover a crate of spice. And uh, Fett replies, this is not looking good for you. The Pike's uh, leader says that they assume that Tuskens were uncivilized raiders. And says that they were just trying to protect their route. Fett replies that the Dune Sea, shout out Dune, is no longer free for the Pikes to pass since the Tuscans claim the territory as ancestral ground. Uh, he says that if they want to pass, a toll has to be paid to the Tuscans. He warns that any death dealt by traveling trains will be returned tenfold. Fett orders the Pike leader to return to the Pike Syndicate with these new terms and adds that their lives are a gesture uh, of their civility. He tells the Pikes to walk single file, like he's a first grade teacher, uh, in the direction of the high sun, explaining that it will lead them to Anchorhead by sunset. When the leader protests that they will be killed, Fett reassures him that they will be traveling under the protection of the Tuscans and that no harm will come to them. When the Pike leader protests that they will die of thirst without the water car, Fett promises that they will each be given a black melon, stating that they will survive on its milk as these people do. The Pikes leave while the Tuscans plunder the water cart, and it gave me big time holes vibes uh, <laughs> when they cracked that thing open. It was like, oh, it's raining finally. Right. Rain. Uh, and then this part of the flashback scene, arguably the best portion. Uh, later that night, the Tuscan chief explains that since the oceans of Tatooine have dried up, which I think is very important because. If Tatooine used to be a water planet like Kamino, there's a lot of similarities that the Tuskens and Boba Fett deal with, with Boba Fett being from Kamino and uh, the Tuskens being on Tatooine. They have stayed hidden. Uh, he says that other tribes have survived by killing. Fett replies that they shouldn't have to hide since they are warriors. The Tusken chief replies that the off-worlders have machines, and Fett reassures him that they now have machines and they know every grain of sand in the Dune Sea. My sand, my dune. Um, the Tuscan chief gives Fett a gift stating that he is a good guide. I
1: did not see <laughs> this fucking part coming. And if you, no one can sit here in high horse and say you saw a lizard that was going to crawl up my man's nose.
0: Save and, 20% or more on I car insurance by service? switching to Geico.
1: Um, I'll let you know about this. My dad watched, did your dad watch Star Trek? Yes. Okay, so you, you probably watched it with him before, right? Yes. Here and so you've seen, you've seen. You know, you know, I'm going with this, right? You've seen a Star Trek where what's what's the really, really the bad guy's name? Like Khan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets those things that crawl in their ears, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yup. It's the same vibe. Same vibe. I was like, ah.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like the the story of uh, was it Richard Gary who has like a gerbil climb up his ass in Hollywood or something like that too. <laughs> yeah. It's like you blow coke in your face and here's South a, Park has a skit where yeah. the it's like here lady. I'm gonna blow some cocaine in your face and we're gonna throw a lizard up your nose.
1: <laughs> That's what happened and Tomorrow was very calm about it like for 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 what it was he was like I think I just swallowed it and that I thing, was like bro
0: that is? thing came out digging he went through there like a coal miner. Through his nose.
1: It was cool because he went on like a psychedelic journey, but it was also real. Probably because the lizard was like running on his brain. I don't think that's healthy to have a little guy, ge- a little lizard, Geico, like scurrying around and you're not. It's like a
0: DMT lizard.
1: Um. Yeah, he must have been laced with like something. But he was having some dreams and some visions, and it caused him. This <laughs> is just crazy. Like, it's really cool. I'm not knocking it. Like, it's cool. To tie back to, like, natives and stuff. Um, but he, he goes, like, he gets so high off the lizard, essentially, and comes back with a stick. Yeah. Every dog's dream, I guess. You
0: should ask Miller if he wants to do that. Uh, the chief explains that the lizard will guide him from inside his head. Fett's vision becomes blurry and his body convulses. He finds himself walking through the deserts of Tatooine and sees a vision of trees and oceans. Uh, there are creatures with red eyes. Fett also experiences flashbacks of climb out of him climbing out through the sarlacc, as well as his childhood on Camino, watching his father Django Fett leave on Slave One. Uh, we also get that flashback of him holding the helmet and everything. The vision ends with him emerging while the ocean roars. Uh, he gets that tree branch as well. Look like he went to the Joshua tree. Um, the following day, Fett returns to the Tusken camp where he's greeted by the young Tusken youth he befriended. Uh, and his massive Fett is greeted by the Tuscan chief and his followers. The lizard emerges from his nostrils. It's like, all right, my job's done. He, he went on this trip. So uh, get me out of his nose. Uh, Fett remarks that he thought it was part of the dream. The Tuscan chief asks him to show him a branch. Fett presents the branch from his night journey to the Tuscans. They lead him inside a tent where Tuscans clothe him with the Tuscan robes, scarves, and bandages that we saw before boba fett wearing obviously in mandalorian season two when we first ran into him we saw some of those remains there uh the cloaked fet emerges from the tent and faces his tuscan friends he looked badass in that garb by the way and very like sith-esque almost because he had the hood up and everything i was like oh this is awesome uh the young tuscan walks beside him and the two head into the desert towards a wrecked site one of the tuscans forged the branch into a new Gaffy stick Fett helps him carve the weapon as well which is also heated in an oven. Pieces of metal are added to the gaffy stick, giving it an armored plating, and the metal is dipped into an oven. We see Boba Fett kind of putting his own touch, carving, you know, symbols and everything into this gaffy stick, which we also saw him wielding in Season 2 of The Mandalorian. Uh, later that night, Fett presents his new gaffy stick to the rest of the clan. He parries with the other Tuskens who gather before a campfire as they dance around the fire, which I thought that whole sequence was incredible and then we cut to the credits. We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you, the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Cremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week On the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse, right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network.
1: Yeah, so first of all, I also want to talk about the gaffy stick. I don't know. I'm still a little confused. I know Star Wars, things fly. I shouldn't get caught up on the fact of the sticks being wrapped in metal. I understand. But that's the way my brain works. And Kyle also shared similar thought. We were like, how does it not break? Because at the end of the day, it's just wood coated in metal. Um, but that was a crazy experience. Just the last 15, 20 minutes of the episode. I would have never thought that I would watch that in a Star Wars show. Let me, I mean, let, let, let me tell you, like you would have told me Boba Fett takes acid in the form of a lizard and go grabs a stick and then the stick turns into a weapon <laughs> over my head and we get to see his new drip. Come on. Yeah,
0: absolutely awesome. You know, from the the main like this is happening now versus the flashback, this episode brought it in each and every way. Um, I was thoroughly impressed with just how things flowed in this episode, the introductions we got in this episode. And like we said at the top of the show, Dylan, if this is the route that the book of Boba Fett is going to continue to go, this show is going to be all time and be in, you know, that level of the Mandalorian. And I think that's a a fantastic way for things to run for this show. And, uh, This episode was written by, I want to say, directed by Steph Green, uh, where last week it was Robert Rodriguez. Steph Green, known for shows like Scandal, American Crime, Bates Motel, uh, Luke Cage, um, The Man in the High Castle, Watchmen, Dare Me, The L Word, Generation Q, um, New Boy, Run and Jump, The Americans, American Gothic, Billions. So a lot of crime and a lot of like, fun stuff there from steph green which you could totally see in this episode and um her directing well came to the forefront as you watch this entire episode unfold and it was just really well done really well shot the you could really feel like tensions when they were meant to be presented to the audience and i thought this episode was a real certified banger
1: dude i'm um... I just like the vibe of the episode. I was trying to think when you were talking. I was trying to think what I'd rate it, and I generally don't know, because I think I went. Uh, I will say I think I went a little too high last week on the rating. I was caught up in the nostalgia of my favorite, as Kyle has often said, my favorite Star Wars character on on TV again. Um, but this episode was incredible. Like it, it was, it got backstory. You got action. Like you know, you you could see the acting like you could see the fear and the one cantina lady when the twins came you could see the anguish and the despair in the body language of the tuscan raiders when they were being shot like buffalo um and it was just good it was just it was it, it's funny because i make fun of tatooine all the time because we always mm-hmm. see it and here i am a show on tatooine and i'm enjoying it so you know it's doing something
0: yeah, 100%. And we're going to get into our uh, scoring portion of the review. And Dylan, uh, I do have the Rotten Tomatoes. We're going back. We didn't get to do Rotten Tomatoes much with uh, with What If and with, with Loki because they didn't update the, the page we used to check out. But I am on the tomato meter right now for episode two of the Book of Boba Fett. So we're back. Rotten Tomatoes, sponsor the goddamn podcast, please. Um, so Dylan... I'll let you guess the tomato meter average rating and the percent rating, and then I'll have you give your score, and I'll give mine as well.
1: So I think I think it will be...
0: And I'll give you this. It's out of 11 ratings so far on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Rotten Tomatoes is the percent one, right? Uh, so
0: it, it gives a percentage, and it gives an average rating. So the blank out of 10. Okay,
1: so I'll say 85% and 8.5.
0: Pretty close. Uh, so the the percentage rating is 100%, which is phenomenal. I totally agree there. Uh, and the average rating is a 7.3 out of 10 from the 11 ratings. I think you and I are going to be much higher on our uh, our, yes. per, our rating on the scale of 1 to 10, which we are still looking for a name for our rating scale. So if you guys have ideas for that, tweet at us at StreamerSZN. Leave yes, it in sir. the podcast reviews. Let us know uh, what we should name our, our rating scale. Um, but Dylan, I'll let you, uh, have the honors of giving your, your rating for episode two, the tribes of Tatooine of the book of Boba Fett.
1: So I forget what I did last time. I think you I, gave it an eight, nine. Yeah. So I'm going to scratch that from the records. Okay. Last week, I really should have gave it like an eight and this week should be like an eight, nine or maybe not. Maybe not an eight, nine. This week should be like an eight point. I'm going to go 8.5, 8.5, 8.5 for this week.
0: So I'm a little higher on this one just from what we got in the, this is happening now portion of the episode. And then the flashback portion of the episode, I thought they were just like, it felt like you got two episodes in one almost, um, which I really enjoyed. And, uh, you know, it was more world building, but also more plot gets introduced in this one. So I really enjoyed that. So I'm giving this sucker a nine one. I really enjoyed the introduction of the Fett twins. Uh, Uh, Black Kersantan, you know, I I feel like that's going to be a mainstay character in the live-action Star Wars for quite some time now, which is very exciting. And just the the open door now that we have um, for introducing more characters that have only been in the Star Wars comics, that are in Star Wars Legends, I think that's going to be really hit home upon throughout the more live-action Star Wars shows and, and things that we get. And the fact that it was introduced on this scale with the Book of Boba Fett in Episode 2 um, is really exciting. So I'm going to go 9-1. Dylan goes 8-5, which for you guys at home, our average rating, since that that's what Rotten Tomatoes does, uh, of our two scores. Quick math. Quick math is an 8.8. So an 8.8 out of 10 for our combined score on episode two of the book of boba fett it was a certified banger dylan and i really enjoyed this one so if you haven't watched it and you listen to this podcast episode what the hell's wrong with you go watch this show because i think it's only going to get better for the next five weeks like we are gonna see some things that i think we weren't expecting which is always so fun with the star wars universe dylan we're gonna do some quick hits around the streaming platform universe and i got a chance to sit down and actually watch some movies over new year everybody happy 2022 Uh, We we are going to have uh, a review and a discussion uh, about the Harry Potter special, the return to Hogwarts. Um, I got a chance to sit down and watch it. I'm going to try to get my sister, Sarah Bennett, biggest Harry Potter stan on the planet. uh, DJ Hughes, my co-host on OTB, the Outside the Box podcast, another big Harry Potter stan. I want to try to get them on here with us, talk about the special and everything when DJ gets a chance to watch it. But let me say, man, this special, I think, is a little over two hours, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm going to pull it up here. It is phenomenal. And, you know, I like Harry Potter a lot. I think the movies are really well done. Um, I think, you know, across the board, it is one of the best, like, reunion specials and behind-the-scenes looks and just a a reconnection with so many phenomenal actors. And then you sit down and, like, now that we're a little bit older, too, we realize how many big-name British actors were in the Harry Potter movies that, like, when we're kids growing up and watching these, we're like, okay, cool, like, these are really good actors. But then, like, as you get older and watch more movies and things and realize, like, the grand scale of, like, who some of these big-name adult actors are outside of the three main kids, it's wild to really, like put into context the cast that they were able to put together for harry
1: potter it's a a bunch of legends in their own rights some of them
0: and i will say this one of our one of our favorite podcast topics of bringing up mephisto and somebody that we want to see cast as mephisto dylan not michael fassbender uh but one of our one of our deep dive tiktok tribulations gary oldman is in the special which was really awesome to see gary oldman there still want him as Mephisto. That'd be great. Um, Gary Oldman makes a, an appearance. Elena Bottom Carter makes a hefty appearance. Tom Felton, obviously, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, and Emma Watson make a, a huge appearance throughout the entire special. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, Robbie Coltrane, the, the actor who plays Hagrid. He is in it and has one of the best quotes um, in the special, which it's not really a spoiler because it is something that I think a lot of people firmly believe. And it, it's really a, a big, like hit you right in the feels type of deal uh, when you hear it from him. And it's also very weird seeing Hagrid without a beard. <laughs> it <laughs> is weird, isn't it? He is clean shaven for this special. Um, but he has a fantastic quote in this special that I'm going to read here for everybody on the podcast. Um, it is, where is it? Um, why am I not finding
1: this? Sometimes it takes time.
0: Sometimes it's hard to find things.
1: Yes, sir.
0: Um... I'm going to see if I can just search it now. Here we go. Uh, so Robbie Coltrane in the special, just a, a fantastic quote where it's, you know, he talks about, you know, 50 years from now, like his grandchildren are going to be able to sit down and, and know the legend of Harry Potter. So, so, you, so you could be watching it in 50 years time easy. And Robbie Coltrane is 71 years old. Bless him. Uh, And he says, I'll not be here, sadly, but but Hagrid will. Yes. And I mean, I feel like that Harry Potter is one of those cinematic universes where no matter who passes on from it and they they do a, a nice homage to every actor and actress that has passed away since the the filming of everything. That's awesome. It is one of those cinematic universes where no matter who passes away, their legacy is firmly entrenched and people will remember them forever.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, any kind of movie or cinema like project, it, it it pass a test of time in terms of it will always be a tribute to said individual. Like Alan Rickman, obviously, is probably the most notorious one you think of, of, of a Harry Potter actor who's passed, especially an untimely death because he wasn't that old. And he didn't start acting until he was 40. He was a software designer and he quit act, quit that to be an actor. So, man's man's crazy. Like Legend. Yeah. Yeah, good, good, cushy job, and he was like, fuck it. Um, point is, when you, th- when you think of him, like, I think of Die Hard, I think of him, I think of Yippie ki yay motherfucker. I, you know what I mean? So I probably just use our amount of F-words for the week on the show. But point is, like, it's great that I will always get to experience Alan Rickman in Harry Potter, love actually, Die Hard, and it, it goes for any actor that Kyle watched and that... Um, tribute, as well as not just Harry Potter films, but any films they've been in. And like Kyle said, there are some legendary British actors throughout that film, and they've been in countless other films as well. Yeah,
0: so I highly recommend watching the Harry Potter special. Hopefully, we'll be able to uh, get the meeting of the minds and bring all the Hogwarts houses together to uh, have our review and breakdown of that soon. It is on HBO Max. And right and I'm now, Slytherin now. <laughs> I am a Ravenclaw.
1: I think I'm Slytherin because I'm in, I'm in big business. Wouldn't that mean I'm Slytherin?
0: <laughs> Either that or you're Gryffindor just infiltrating from the inside.
1: My f- friends think I'm Gryffindor, my, and then I think I'm Slytherin, not by choice, just because of my job now.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. Me um and Malfoy,
1: gonna get into it, boy. Tuesday, isn't it?
0: Tuesday, and it? Yeah, but definitely highly recommend. I think it has an 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb right now. It is a fantastic watch. And they take you through just, like, chapters, really, and give you perspectives from every single actor that they got for this. Um, so thoroughly enjoyed. And you get a chance to sit down with all the directors of each movie, too, which I thought was a fantastic touch uh, to all of this. And Dylan, i got to ask you, what's your favorite Harry Potter movie?
1: Um... Prisoner of Azkaban This is Oldman. why we're
0: co-hosts
1: This <laughs> is why we're co-hosts Is it because Gary Oldman too? Is that one of the reasons? Cause- Series
0: Black yeah. is just such a great Like character in the Harry Potter Universe and the way Gary Oldman portrays Him in that movie and just how like It's kind of a flip the switch moment From Chamber of Secrets to Prisoner of Azkaban Where it gets a lot darker You're entering like the Isn't the
1: werewolf guy in that one too? Yeah Yeah. That's... so Lupin's a, in it Like He's a cool character too
0: yeah you get uh is in that movie as well you have like that meeting of the minds of like all these old school wizards and then the new kids are you know spying on them and everything it's that like turning of age where they're in their early formative teenage years and it gets really dark and you're starting to see the landscape of how harry potter is going to start to go i love prisoner of azkaban and that final scene where they fly off on uh on homeboy the the griffin flying yes. buck beak when they fly off on him into the into the moonlight awesome shot um so definitely recommend going and watching the harry potter special another movie i got a chance to sit down and watch is in kanto the new uh the new disney movie this movie dylan let me tell you from walt disney animation studios is unbelievable it is so well done. The characters are fantastic. Stephanie Beatriz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine in the Heights. Uh, she is the lead voice actor of the lead character. And this movie was one of the best like Disney animation movies I have seen ever. Phenomenal movie. Highly recommend watching it. Lin-Manuel Miranda does the music. It is so well done. The animation styles fantastic. Um... We'll have a, a review of it probably in a couple weeks, but I want to give people a chance to watch it that now are able to watch it on Disney+. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, Encanto, again, highly recommend just for perspective. IMDb has it at a 7.3 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 91%. So to have an animated movie at 91% on Rotten Tomatoes says a lot in my book. That's great. Love yeah, that movie. That. I'm slipping love that movie it is now available on disney plus and on disney plus again another movie that has a 91 percent rating on rotten tomatoes another animated movie this one is disney pixar um i saw luca uh again phenomenal movie very enjoyable very fun the characters are great uh the story is awesome and again, highly recommend watching Luca, especially since Chau Alberto is coming to Disney Plus soon. It's going to be a, a mini series that I think will be kind of like how they do a movie, and then there's a sequel, but it's a show. That's what I think Luca is going to be, and uh, I'm very excited for Chau Alberto after watching Luca. So definitely recommend watching those three. We'll definitely have a Harry Potter Return to Hogwarts episode uh, or segment at some point soon, as well as an Encanto review. And, uh, we're just getting started with the book of Boba Fett. So that's super exciting as well. Um, and then unfortunately just, uh, TV movie wise too, Morbius did get delayed, but I think it's because Andrew Garfield might be showing up in Morbius one way or another. So, uh, hopefully that's the case, but Morbius now coming out on, uh, April 1st instead of later this month in January, but it's fine. And, uh. We'll we'll have more on the Book of Boba Fett next week, but that's why you guys got to follow us on the social medias, at Streamer S Z N on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Dylan at Dylan Mazzola. Follow oh, me at Kyle KBI. I am Venom. I'm just kidding. I'm Dr. Michael Morbius. Uh, follow Dylan at Dylan Mazzola, on Twitter. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, where you can see Christian's top 10 most anticipated movies and shows coming to streaming platforms in 2022. A lot of good stuff on there that we'll be talking about on this show. And, of course, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. If it's on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review with show recommendations, how you feel about this episode of the Book of Boba Fett, Uh, you know, your expectations for uh the season as it goes on how you like the harry potter special and anything in between five stars only because we have standards we know you do too and we know they're five stars and of course now on spotify leave the five star ratings on spotify uh come true blow them things to the roof
1: and tell us what to watch or 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 stream right give us those show recommendations
0: leave them in the apple podcast reviews leave the five star ratings on spotify and check us out wherever you get your podcasts we are there. Uh, big thank you to our sponsors, Tomahawk Shades, Stateside, Urban Craft Vodka, and Kenwood Beer. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use code USP at checkout. You get 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Stateside, Urban Craft Vodka. Get the vodka soda party packs at StatesideVodka.com with Uh, Code USP. You can get the 1-liter bottles of vodka when they're back in stock. Uh, But get the vodka soda party packs, the Surfside iced teas, all that good stuff. Statesidevodka.com. you got to be 21 or older to purchase. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And Kenwood Beer. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly and uh next week we'll be talking about episode three of the book of boba fett and uh the following week dylan we will have book of boba fett and we'll have peacemaker to talk about as peacemaker oh, comes out on hbo max january can't
1: 13th wait to watch john cena reprise that role very excited bam,
0: bam, bam, bam. can't wait uh oh, wait. so we'll have
1: we'll we be able to see him though
0: oh good point it might just be a floating silver helmet Probably. (laughs) Very excited to dive back into the Suicide Squad realm of things in the DCEU with Peacemaker. And we'll have Book of Boba Fett, Episode 3 Breakdowns, and anything else across the streaming platform multiverse. Uh, But this has been another episode of Streamer Season, the exclusive TV and movie uh, podcast for streaming platforms on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For Dylan, I'm KB. And until next week, keep on being crime lords.